Welcome to Massive Late Fee, and now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Hey everyone, welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark, with me as always is my girlfriend Carol. How you hey, doing, Carol? what's up? <laughs> so we've had a pretty good week uh, here so far. Uh, a lot of more people are, a lot of more people are... Um, <laughs> you can talk English good. ...listening to the podcast, which is, is nice. We got uh, some some good feedback on our last episode where we talked about Ace Ventura, which is still the number one movie in America. Ugh. I'm sure to Carol's disdain. What the hell is wrong with you people? It's the comedy of now, Carol. That's what people like. It's dumb. Well, you know, I do I do appreciate a good sarcastic comedy like Ghostbusters. <laughs> Me too. But uh, maybe that will one day come back in more fashion. I hope so. Uh, so today was the opening... Oh, it's uh, February 12th, I believe. Oh, yeah, February 12th, 1994. Uh, and the opening ceremonies of the Olympics were today in Lillehammer, Norway. A bunch of things I can't pronounce... Uh, <laughs> What? That's what the news is. They they had their opening ceremony at the base of the mountain that they're using for ski alpine ski jumping. They uh, the Norwegians invented skiing, which so they it, did. Yeah, they did. Okay. So I suppose it's appropriate that uh, they hold it there. But the name of the mountain is something. It's, <laughs> it's a bunch of. Uh, I don't know. Vilkomen is the only thing that I can say. Uh, that sounds Norwegian. Alrighty. But uh, yeah, that uh, you know, the whole thing of trying to pronounce these these names it really makes me resent the Norwegians <laughs> and all the Scandinavians uh, in total. So I, you know, I don't know. I've never had a problem with Scandinavians before, but I'm starting to now because of this Olympics. But a beautiful ceremony. Uh, 66 countries are going to compete in the Olympic ceremonies. That is a record the most countries ever. I think there are more countries now than there used to be. So that's probably part of it. Okay. Well, you know, way back when, Austria and Hungary were one country. The Austro-Hungarian Empire. Okay. And then now they're two. I mean, they, they were made two after World War One, But... When, so it's been a while. When did the Olympics start? The Olympics started, well, the Olympics started in Greece originally. Well, way yeah, back okay. when. When did but we reboot it? The modern Olympic Games started in 1896. Okay. 1896 in Greece. That's, and that's exciting because two years from now, 1996, the Olympics will be held in Atlanta, Georgia, and that is the 100th anniversary of the modern Olympic Games. We should go. Yeah, that would be cool. We could, could totally be, do that. Be in the Olympic Village and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. We should do that. Maybe if we're still doing the podcast, we can uh, we could do remote from there. We'll even have like driver's licenses by then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the big story from the Olympics uh, today, I when we were watching the... Oh, the opening ceremony, uh, the uh, Jim Nance on CBS reported it. 
that uh, court in Oregon, they've reached a settlement to deal with Tanya Harding, and Tanya Harding will compete in the Winter Olympics. Are you serious? With Nancy Kerrigan. What the hell? She has given up all her rights to sue or pursue legal action against the International Olympic Committee. Uh, and I, there might still be a criminal investigation that goes on. I'm not exactly sure how all the legalities of everything will work out from that, but the in- International Olympic Committee has cleared her to compete. So she will represent the United States along with Tanya Hart, or along with Nancy Kerrigan. Uh, I believe it's February 28th. So in a couple weeks, wow, we will see both of them skate for. That that's the gonna United be, States. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be something. I it's I, I usually don't watch figure skating to be completely honest, but I think that I will tune in to to this to this figure skating. You know, it's funny. Figure skating is the only thing I've ever cared about watching, but I've never really followed it like to be able to say, oh, I'm rooting for this person, that person. It's like, oh, USA, woo. Right. Like, I just like to. To watch it. Oh, it's a, it's, it's cool. a lot of intrigue. But yeah, now it's like I, I actually care. Uh, I, the other piece of news that I have today is I read an interesting article in Entertainment Weekly. They talked to Winona Ryder, Meryl Streep, and Glenn Close. They're in a new film called House of the Ten Spirits or House of the Spirits. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, House of the Spirits. Uh, it's coming out uh, next month in April, and obviously they've gone on to other projects uh, since then. But Entertainment Weekly sat down with them, and had, they had a discussion about women in Hollywood. Okay. And it was it was interesting to me as a man. I don't you know have the most perspective, and not an actor. I, I don't have the most perspective on this. So none. <laughs> yes. Not only not the most, but none as well. Um, But, uh, yeah, so they were talking uh, to them. And, you know, they opened up the question asking about uh, Michelle Pfeiffer last year. Now, I didn't actually see this. But Michelle Pfeiffer last year gave a speech at the Women in Films Awards Ceremony. And she said that movies uh, tended to sell women to men. And she called out Pretty Woman mad dog and gloria and an indecent proposal what the frick i'm sorry but those are good movies like I... well i see her point that you know like women are something to be bought basically i mean she is a prostitute and pretty woman yeah and so. prostitution's the oldest profession in the world so yeah it's gonna be part of the stories that we tell which is what movies are so i don't really have a problem with people making movies, they're going to be about everything under the sun. And and I wouldn't want to change that. I wouldn't want to limit what people are able to express. Indecent Proposal is the one I think she kind of has a point on. All right. Because it's literally a bet to sleep with, or a million dollars to, not a bet, that's that's the other one, but like a, to, a million dollars to sleep with the guy's wife. Yeah. It's so, the pretty woman, there's literal money too i mean it's... yeah but i mean she's not a prostitute she's a random woman if someone gave you a million dollars to have sex with you would you do it yes of course so I you would. you would cheat on me for a million dollars wouldn't you want me to for a million dollars no 
That's the whole that's the whole conundrum of the movie, by the way. I know. And how it destroys their marriage. Yeah, but in the end, they get back together. They are going to get back together. At the oh, end, they well, end up holding hands. It's and... kind of ambiguous, right? Yeah, but I think they got back together. They loved the shit out of each other. Yeah, they went through something. They came out the other side. Stupidly, they're coming out the other side without the money. But they, they should have worked through their shit and held on to the money. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't agree. I wouldn't want you to do it. I can't believe that you would you would betray me just for money. Well, I wouldn't betray you if you insisted that I didn't do it, that I, then I wouldn't, but I would want to talk about it because I think it would be worth it. Wow. Okay. I, I, I'm Well, sorry. I guess people, we have, uh, we have an answer. If anyone out there has a million dollars, make us an offer. And yeah, nobody would pay a million dollars to sleep with me. Oh, don't say that. But, uh... <laughs> so I'm just uh, lots of thoughts going through my head uh, Glenn Close uh, said basically that Hollywood wants and they bleep this out but she says Hollywood wants uh, fuckable women in their movies <laughs> well I mean that's that's true in this culture fuckable women are young and thin and up to maybe 34 or 35 they give the ages of the actresses in the article uh-huh. Uh, so, she's Glenn Close's 46. Uh, not Michelle Pfeiffer. That's the other. Um, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep's 44. Uh-huh. And Winona Ryder is 22. Okay. So, obviously, Meryl Streep and Glenn Close, who are still, I, I would say, respected actresses yeah. in Hollywood, are outside of that range. But it does make me wonder how long... Will Glenn Close and Meryl Streep work? Well, I mean, the thing is, though, she's saying that, but she just, you know, she's got a movie coming out. I mean... And she's going to be in the paper, too. Yeah. That, 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 uh, that's coming out later. So it's not like she has no career now or something, so... Well, no, I'm not saying they don't have a career. I'm just saying I wonder how much longer... They, you don't see a lot of actresses in leading roles or anything like that when they're in their 50s. So, you know, Meryl Streep's a very good actress, but I don't know. She... She might have a shelf life. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's true as far as being the main character of movies, but I, I don't know. Uh, so they, they talk about that. They talk about women, how women are perceived in, in Hollywood. And uh, this, I thought, was interesting. Meryl Streep says that it should be based on, like, because Glenn Glow says... Women like Julia Roberts and Whoopi Goldberg are getting valued now. They're getting paid a lot of money. Because uh, I guess Meryl Streep gave a speech talking about how uh, female actresses weren't being paid as much as their their male counterparts. Well, that's true across the board. And how that was wrong. And she, uh, she said that she regrets making that speech because it's something that she's kind of known for now. And she says people come up to her all the time. And, you know, they're like, oh, but you're privileged. You're making all this money kind of thing. And she says, you know, she doesn't like that perception of herself. But at the same time, if the people that are at the top don't talk about it and don't make it an issue, then how, she says, how how are people down the line going to get paid? So, you know, thinking about that struggling actress that maybe books, you know, a movie here and there or a TV show. 
how are they going to get equal pay? Right. If the top ones don't make a fuss of it. And she's right. That's things change from the top. So, but, uh, so Meryl Streep counters that by saying, um, that that's true sometimes, but she says, and she goes, now I love, and then she goes off the record to name a major male movie star. That's how they put it in the, in the magazine. But he doesn't bring in the box office, but he will command a big salary. And they and uh, Glenn Close says that's because he's a male icon to all the guys. And Meryl Streep says that's right because he's a guy, guy, guy. Like he's a guy's guy, guy or whatever, you know. Okay. Um, so the people who are paying feel like, oh, I wish I were that guy. It makes me wonder who they're talking about. And I think I know. But I'll give you just this last bit of information. So Meryl Streep says he's not bringing in the stars, not bringing in people who watch Beavis and Butthead. And she says, am I wrong? And Winona Ryder says, no, I think you're right. For my generation, I know that no one knows who he is. Hmm. I think she's talking about Burt Reynolds. Okay. Because Burt, I don't know how much Burt Reynolds makes now. I know he was in that Cop and a Half movie last year, which looked god awful. <laughs> but um, I know he used to be the highest paid actor. I don't, I'm sure he's not now. But I'm sure he still commands somewhat of a big salary. But he used to be the highest paid actor and he used to be the number one movie star in the 70s and the early 80s. And obviously he's not now. But but he's when when she when she when they talk about an older actor that's a real macho guy's type, that's the first name that comes to my mind. Uh, and where a lot of people would kind of know who he is maybe in our age group, but wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to go see that new Burt Reynolds movie. Well, of course not. You know? yeah. So I think that's who she's talking about. Now, I don't know what kind of relationship she has with Burt Reynolds or, or anyone else that she's friends with in Hollywood because I don't know her personal life. But uh, that would be my guess. So if, if you guys have any guesses out there of who you think uh, it could be, let us know because it's interesting to me. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I just want to say this, this inequality, it's not just in Hollywood and... It kind of irritates me, too, when she's probably got millions of dollars that, like, people working at 7-Eleven, you know, girls make 80 cents on the dollar. Right. Compared to a guy, so. Yeah, it's it's definitely an issue that, that needs to be addressed, I think. Uh, hopefully in the next, you know, few years, people will, will address that, you know. Yeah. It'd be a pretty sad state of affairs if, you know, 20 years down the line it's still... It's still the same. Right? But uh, anyway, so, sad news. Uh-oh. For, this is our, our TV picks of the week. Uh, I read a scathing review of Saved by the Bell of the College Years from Entertainment Weekly as well. Uh, same issue as the, uh, the Meryl Streep one. And not good. They aired their final two episodes back-to-back special on Saturday and they will not be coming back for the rest of the season and it seems like the dream is dead. Aw, baby, I'm, I'm wish that I was sorry, but <laughs> I'm not. Although there is hope because it ends on a cliffhanger. Okay. So let me tell you uh, how this all played out. 
So in the the uh, the first part of the final of Saved by the Bell, the college years, Zach and Kelly are making out while everyone's watching a movie and crying. They're watching. I thought you were gonna say while well, everyone's watching them. They're watching Love Story by Ally McGraw, and they're all they're all crying. And uh, so they're blissfully happy. Things have progressed fast since the last episode when they, you know, they took that break in between. So I guess they figured that the audience thinks time has passed. Okay. But because they just started going out in that last episode. Now they're they're full on making out and, you know, deeply in love or whatever. I know they have a lot of history from previous Save by the Bell incarnations. But anyway, so it turns out that Kelly got into the Semester at Sea program where she can sail around the Mediterranean, see the pyramids, uh, see the pyramids mm-hmm. along the Nile, um, and uh, the Parthenon and Colosseum and all that stuff. So she's going to be gone for three months and Zach doesn't want her to go. But she wants to go because she wants the opportunity. It's a big opportunity for her. Zach is a selfish prick. I agree, but at the same time, I can kind of see where he's coming from. It's three months away in a fairly new relationship. Plus, there's this other guy that's uh, that's going to be bunking next to Kelly, and he's sort of flirty with her. I-, I get where he's coming from, why he would be nervous about this. I get why he would be nervous, but if he's trying to stop her from going... I think that's terrible because it sounds like a really good opportunity. Well, it, it's a conversation that they have at the beginning of the episode, but she makes it clear that she wants to go and she makes her own life decisions and things like that. So Zach decides what he's going to do is get on the semester at sea. Okay. And somebody drops out and he goes to Professor Lasky's office to try to get him to recommend him for the semester at sea. But he's too late. Somebody else has taken the spot. Now the person that's taken the spot is Screech. Now oh, I don't poor Screech. I don't know why he just doesn't say to Screech, "We're best friends. We've been best friends forever." Kelly is going. I don't want to be away from her for three months. Can I have your spot? Because I'll bet you that Screech would have said, "Of course." Yeah, I'm sure he would. He's he, a sweet guy. He's completely selfless. But he doesn't do that. Of course not, because, again, he's a giant prick. (laughs) Instead, he decides to try to convince Screech that it's very dangerous to be on a cruise ship in the water. So he tells him about uh, the shark attacks and uh, things like that that happen uh, on the sea. And he kind of gets Screech a little freaked out. He, um, He goes to this seminar conference or whatever that they're having with the students that are going on the trip and the uh the dean is is doing a slideshow showing them last year's trip so they kind of have an idea of what they're in for and he replaces some of the slides with slides of ships burning ships capsizing a giant shark and it's funny because it all kind of lines up with what she's saying like she says, you know, you'll meet new and interesting friends and it's a picture of a shark. So I don't know exactly how he did that. Um, I'm sure he didn't. But anyway, so it freaks Screech out enough that he wants to leave. So he's all ready to take his place. But the dean, who hates him, says that he can't. And he says, well, I mean, I'll have the recommendation. My grades are good. Why? And she says, 
uh, you know, you, you fail the character test because mm. you don't have any character. Wow. So she shuts him down. Zach's upset. He has this dream, uh, you know, about uh, Kelly cheating on him with this guy. And she's like, uh, you know, oh, we're not married and everything like that, so it's okay kind of thing. So he wakes up and he proposes marriage to oh Kelly. Oh my God, what an idiot. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> After he does that, Kelly says that she needs time to decide if she wants to say yes or not. And she's going to take the three months while she's at sea to think about it. Right. Which is smart. So when they, the, when she's about to leave, they have a big fight before she's about to leave, kind of. And how he's upset that she doesn't want to go. So she's on the ship. She's getting ready to leave. And Zach finally shows up, and he's got a dozen roses for her. He apologizes. He says that, that um, you know, he was being selfish. He was being a jerk. And, and that three months would be fine because they love each other. So right before he's about to leave, Kelly says, I do want to marry you. I want to marry you right now. Let's go kind of thing. And she gets off the boat. So she does not go to, to her semester at sea. And now she's an idiot. Okay. So the second episode picks up with them calling their parents, telling them that they have decided to get married. And neither set of parents uh, approve at all. And they're not going to give them any money for the wedding. So Zach has, he got a $3,000 savings bond from his grandmother when he was five years old. That she said only use in case of emergency. Of which he has $1,800 left because he spent $1,200 at an arcade one summer. Oh my lord. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that. That's a lot of quarters. Yeah. But anyway, so he's going to organize and pay for the entire wedding. We get a nice surprise. Lisa's back. Lisa Turtle comes oh, back. Oh, okay. So... He's trying to plan this wedding and, and, you know, there's there's a bunch of obstacles to it, but things kind of start coming together. They get an apartment to where they can live off campus with each other at this college that they go to. There's one thing that really bothers me about it. Slater, at the very beginning, is like, you're dumb. You're being stupid. You're too young to get married. And I'm not going to support this. And so he doesn't, and he says he's not going to the wedding, all this other stuff. And then at the towards the end of the episode, when Zach is all upset about uh, their new apartment and how how much of a dump it is, with no no inciting incidents, no reasons, he just completely changes his mind and says, you know, I'll help you, I'll help you restore the. The apartments, you know, we're friends again and okay. you know, I'll support you kind of thing. Just out of nowhere, completely changes his tune as to this. It's, it was really weird. And they did nothing with his objection at all to this thing. Yeah, that so, is weird. Yeah, the, the whole thing was weird. Anyway, so they, um, they decide to throw them a bachelorette and bachelor party. Just out of the blue, surprise kind of thing. Okay. And they come in at the same time. Now, they hadn't coordinated this. But while they're waiting for the minister who's going to marry them, they're, you know, Zach and Kelly are trying to uh, 
you know, make it look like they're mature enough for this decision, right? Uh-huh. So, they they have the all come in for the bachelor and bachelorette party. This female stripper comes in. And she starts dancing on Zach and all this stuff. Well, the minister walks in. Oh, no. At, at this point, the girls think that it's the male stripper dressed as a, <laughs> dressed as a priest, I guess, or whatever. Oh, goodness. And, um, you know, tells him to take his clothes off and stuff. So... They come in, and Zach tries to explain that it's his bachelor party and everything, and that the woman's the stripper. And so the the priest says, okay, maybe we need to reschedule this. And Zach says, okay, how about Monday? And he says, I was thinking more like 10 years Mm -hmm. when you've had a chance to grow up. Uh Which I think is funny, because adults have bachelor parties. Right. I mean, it's not... An uncommon practice. It's not like only, you know, young people have bachelor parties. Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought that was kind of weird. But, <clears throat> their plans fall through because they can't get this chapel. So, at the very end of the episode, you know, Zach's depressed. And he says, oh, I know, you know, I couldn't do this for you. And I'm really sorry. And, you know, if, if I can't handle this, I'm sure you're going to say I can't handle marriage. And she basically says... That, you know, they love each other and she wants to get married, basically no matter what anyone thinks. And, you know, let's just go and get a quick marriage in Reno. And Zach says we're not going to get married in some tacky, cheap place like Reno. We're going to Vegas. (laughs) So that's how it ends. So it's hinting at, and I've heard some rumors about this, that they're making a TV movie of their wedding... In Las Vegas. Huh. So that is something that should be coming down the line sometime this year. All right. Well, that would be kind of cute to watch. And I guess that will wrap up their storyline. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye out for that. So I've been kind of sad because of the cancellation of Save by the Bell of College Years. So can you cheer us up with your TV pick of the week? Um, sure. So my TV pick of the week is Boy Meets World. And in this episode, Sean and Corey are partnered up in class to do a business project. And they're having kind of like a, a competition, I guess, to see whose business can make the most money. Yeah, with Minkus and Topanga. Well, yeah, they they actually come up with a bet uh, with with Minkus about this. The two most interesting names on television, right? right? <laughs> um, so Sean and and Corey, being the slackers that they are, have not even started working on it, and everybody else is, you know, working on it and like has ideas and um, like they can already tell that Topinga and Minkus's stuff is going to make money, which is why this bet comes about that they're like, you know, oh, you know, you can't beat us. So they bet, what, $10? Yeah. And Sean calls his shady uncle and says, hey. Sean has a never-ending supply of shady relatives right? for this show, by the way. So they, they put $10 on a horse race. Mm-hmm. And they win, like, I think, like, 300-something dollars. They win, I believe it's $99. Yeah, you're right. $99 the first time. And then instead of, you know, saying, hey, cool, we won and taking the money, they let it ride. But they end up winning 600-something dollars. $80. Okay, $680. Corey gets it into his head that 
he has hasn't taken risks in his life and that taking risks is the best thing in the world now. Right. Because the business principle of the greater the risk, the greater the reward is is, you know, something that Feeney says to them about their betting on the horse race. That they much. demonstrated yeah, that. that they yeah. demonstrated that. So now he thinks, okay, I'm just gonna take big risks and get big rewards all the time. Yeah, Feeney fails to mention that, that the corollary is also true. The bigger the risk, the bigger the potential calamity. Right. So then there's this kind of side story that kind of ends up bringing it all together is Valentine's Day is coming, just like it is in, in real life. Yep. And uh, his parents... I got cor- plans for you for Valentine's Day. Oh, do you? Yeah. I can't wait to find out what they are. <laughs> so um, Corey's parents have a Valentine's Day date. They um, have left each other, you know, sickeningly cute little notes around the house. And mm-hmm. They asked Corey to babysit his little sister. Morgan. Mm-hmm. So... They are out on their date, and Sean calls Corey and says somebody is at the pizza place doing autographs. Phil, no, not Phil Rizzuto. It's, um, oh, I can't remember. It's a baseball player. Yeah. So he's trying to get his little sister to go with him to the pizza place so he can get his baseball cards autographed. And she refuses because he wouldn't play with her. She basically has locked herself in the bathroom and won't come out. He decides, well, it's a risk, but it's a risk I'm going to take, and just leaves his little sister by herself. He bets her that she can't stay alone in the house for 20 minutes and not cause any trouble or get in any trouble. Yeah, he bet her six cupcakes, I think. Yeah. He's such a little jerk. So, of course... So he leaves her alone. Right. A child. She's Yeah, she looks like she's like four or five. Yeah, something like that. She, you know, goes downstairs, opens the front door, mm-hmm. just leaves it open, turns on the radio, starts dancing on the furniture, and knocks over a lamp and breaks their glass door. And so then when Corey comes home, you know, it looks terrible. <laughs> Doors open, stuff's broken, radio's on, she's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, it looks like she's been abducted. Right. Um, thankfully, Feeney is right, you know, next door and was in his backyard and saw that she had crawled into the um, the treehouse. Now, my question here is, why didn't the parents ask Feeney to babysit? Yeah, I, I know that there are there are kids as young as Corey that babysit. Um, but he's not responsible enough, obviously. Right. And, yeah, I agree. They could have they asked Feeney. Corey could have asked Feeney to watch... Her while he went to right? the pizza place exactly. to get the, you know, it just not a lot of thinking. Because Feeney's just sitting out there in his backyard reading. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have big plans. Obviously, it's Valentine's Day. He has no plans. Um, yeah, poor Feeney. <laughs> so, Corey has this sweet moment, though, with his little sister in the tree and says that, you know, he's going to make sure she doesn't get in trouble because it was his fault for leaving her alone and... And he ends up giving his parents all the money they won to replace the glass door that they broke. Yeah, I went to the bathroom at this point while the episode was on. And so I didn't really get to see this part. Does Do do his parents ask where he got the money from? No. It's really weird. Like, he never has any consequences. So there's no consequences for gambling at all. Correct. The only consequence is he learned a lesson that... You shouldn't take risks in leaving your, your sister alone, but gambling is, is cool. <laughs> Seems like it. And I mean, you know, for, for the class project aspect of it, it's supposed to all be pretend. 
So, I mean, I guess it makes sense that, you know, Feeney's not worried about it. Yeah, he doesn't know they're gambling for real. For the it's it's a, a, a hypothetical thousand dollars, and you're supposed to invest it in some way, make it grow in some way. That's that's the project. And Minkus and Topanga uh, invest in environmentally friendly, uh, you know, like gender equal or whatever, like all this politically yeah. correct stuff that they come up with companies. Yeah, and then um, you know they just do horse racing. How does that even count though? That should not count. It's an investment, I guess. I guess, but it's not business. It's not a way you could live your life. Yeah. Like I told you, they kept they they risked everything and they won, and then they decided to risk everything again and won again, and they won. And I said to you when we were watching the episode, I said, "Well, it's so dumb because mathematics eventually, you know, is going to get you. You can't win every time, right? If you, you know, if they took some money out." And made some other bets or something like that. They might, you know, end up winning more money. But if you wager 100% of what you win every single time, eventually you will lose 100%. Yes. <laughs> because you keep, no, one can, no one can pick every single horse race accurately. Right. You know, I know there are people that handicap horse races. And there are people that, uh, that try to make a living betting on horses, getting inside information and stuff like that. But even then... No one wins every single race. So they really needed to learn. This is supposed to be a business class. They really needed to learn money management. Right. Because if you're going to be a professional gambler, like my uncle plays poker professionally, uh, you know, and he talks about money management all the time. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely, definitely not great lessons learned in this, in this episode. Right. Well, that was our TV picks of the week. Uh, some good episodes there. Obviously, you can't watch Saved by the Bell, the college years anymore since it's gone. Aww. Uh, so and sad for I'll have you. to come up with some other shows to talk about next week. But uh, Boy Meets World, it's first season. So if, you, uh, if you're interested in checking that out, obviously, that is Fridays on ABC. It's a pretty good show. It, it is. It's a little cheesy, but it was pretty good. It's a cute, cute family fun show. But our main topic of the week, as I said, Ace Ventura Pet Detective is still number one uh, in the uh, the box office. And I believe, I'm trying to remember what, what the second one was, I, or The Getaway, with uh, Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger, My Girl 2, came out this week as well and there was blank check was the other one okay so those were the top movies we didn't see any of those no because i got sick instead carol dragged me to my father the hero and it was awesome yeah the uh gerard depardieu (laughs) the uh i'll tell you what that guy looks like he eats just constantly he is the most in shape out of shape man i've ever seen in my life because he's not in terrible shape, but he, he just looks like a, he looks like a glacier. He, he just looks, looks like a giant mass. He looks like a Frenchman who just drinks wine and eats cheese all day. I guess. I mean, he, he like, it's just, he's the weirdest looking person I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. His body type is, is like, it, he, he needs to be like, they need to do an alien autopsy on him <laughs> because... It's just the weirdest. I, I I can't I can't even describe it. He's not fat, but he's just like big in weird areas. Square, too. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, he's just he, he looks 
He looks like a sponge. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he's in it, and uh, uh actress named uh, Catherine Heigl yeah. plays his daughter. A uh, young actress. Uh, pretty. Very pretty Very, girl. very pretty. Um, but I haven't seen her in, in anything really. No, this might have been her first movie. Because I be. don't think I've ever heard of her or seen her before. I assume she probably did some modeling. Given, well, yeah, you know, I mean, she is she is absolutely gorgeous. Guy is out there. I mean, if you don't want to see the movie for the story, which is actually pretty good, you'll want to see it just to look at her I, in many different outfits, including skimpy bathing <laughs> suits. So, I will have to say, I was pleasantly surprised. This movie came out last week. Uh, it was number four last week. You know, obviously, it lost to Ace Ventura last week, as it did again this week. It's so dumb to me, but okay. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, so it came out last week. This is its second week in the, in the theaters. It was actually pretty good. The The basic plot is that Gerard Depardieu is Catherine Heigl's dad. They've been estranged. Yeah, I think it's been a couple years since they've seen each other. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, what, what did he say? Like, I'm trying to remember how old they said that she was last time he saw her, but it's definitely been a couple of years. I think he said something like, 10 or 12 yeah something like that i believe she's supposed to be 16 14 14 14. she does not look like she's 14 in this movie no (laughs) um but yeah so okay so she's 14 in this movie and yeah so he decides he's going to take her on a trip to the bahamas i believe sort of to bond yeah and they get into some interesting adventures on this trip well i mean here's the thing is she's an idiot in this movie, she sees this nice-looking young guy. Oh my gosh, he is a nice-looking young guy. Um, bus boy. I think he's a bus boy or something like that, or a waiter. Um, at the resort. Yeah, he work. He works at the resort. I, I think he actually sells. Um, he works in like seashells the by sand. the seashore. <laughs> he works there. Okay. But uh, anyway, no, she sees him on the beach uh, uh-huh. initially. Um, he's warning her that the tide is going to come in because she's actually on his property too. His family seems like they have a lot of money. Oh yeah. Yeah. They seem, it seems like they're, it's one of those things where he's kind of like a trust fund kid and they're like, Hey, get some character and go work at this right. resort. But yeah, he, he lives there and, and his family owns some property. Um, so anyways, she lies to him <laughs> and says that she is 18. Right. Or 17. 17, I believe. 17. I think that's how old he is yeah. as well. Yeah. He, he says, okay, 17-year-old, yeah. yeah. He does not believe her at first. Right. And, um, you know, he, he said she was traveling with her dad. She's like, that's not my dad. I'm here with my boyfriend. Yeah. So she claims that her dad, Gerard Depardieu, the 50-year-old Frenchman <laughs> with the nose of a turnip, <laughs> is her boyfriend. And so, of course, then this guy runs around this island talking about this, telling everyone about this. Everyone finds out about the, the fact that this old guy is dating this young girl. And poor Gerard Depardieu, <laughs> because everyone treats him like shit. And he has no idea why. Everybody yeah. is looking down on him, and he's just wandering around having a great vacation. Like, why is everybody so rude? Yeah, and he, uh, <laughs> a lot of the comedy comes from this one misunderstanding. Yeah, he talks about how much he loves uh, Catherine Heigl's character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously he's talking about how he loves his daughter, but they think that he's talking about his girlfriend. Right. Uh, he's a musician. 
mm-hmm. in the movie. And at one point, he plays a song on the piano. They they kind of goad him into playing this song, and he plays the popular. Uh, <laughs> it's an old. It's an old French song, but the popular French song. It's from Gigi. Yeah, thank heaven for little girls. Yes, and everybody just gets mad. Oh yeah, they and get stormed disgusted. Out. Yeah, by uh, and if you listen to the lyrics. And connected to him dating this underage girl, it's, uh, you know, it's it's pretty scandalous. Yeah. And then, I mean, like, there's all kinds of things. Like, you know, he dances with her. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be cute and sweet if you think you're watching a father and daughter dancing. Right. You think you're watching this old lech dance with this young girl. It's yeah. disgusting. So, stuff keeps happening. And then, finally, she clues him in. Yeah. So... You know, she has to tell him to get him to go along with it. And because everybody's being mean to him, she just can't keep it up on her own. And he agrees to go along with it. Yeah. Which just makes it so much... It's weird. Yeah. He's Um, trying to please her, though, because he hasn't been part of her life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all of this, you know, does come out. There's a whole story about how she's jealous because of his girlfriend. And, you know, there's a lot of deep-seated issues (laughs) there. Um, so yeah, he's bending over backwards to make her happy and, and he thinks that, you know, helping her date this boy is going to make her happy. It's pretty messed up, but it brings a lot of funny scenarios. Yeah, for sure. And then the guy starts to get jealous because he sees them like dancing and spending time together and stuff. So then she's, uh, she's telling, he asks her to leave him. That's it. She, and, uh, she's telling, um, her him that he's sick that he's dying and that that's why she can't leave <laughs> so then he goes she goes in and tells him like and she's like uh i need you to you know pretend to be sick and she's like well i told him you're dying he's like i'm dying now it's like one of the funniest lines of the movie i'll tell you um this movie is very funny it is hilarious and that's that's kind of, that's definitely the saving grace of the film they're this plot line could go wrong in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, I think really the writing and the acting, though, it just, it, it, it works. Yeah, the they did a very good job writing the film. I know Steve Miner directed it. And, uh, yeah, they, they did a very good job with the writing and the directing of this film. Because, like I said, with a plot like this, it could go wrong in so many ways. It could be, the tone of it could be very off. And yeah. And it ends up, it's it's really funny. It's a very funny film. So if you if you have not seen uh, My Father the Hero. Even though it's being beat by stupid movies like The Pet Detective. I would go out and uh, and check it out. It's, uh, it's a good film. Definitely worth it. So we will end our show, as we end all shows, with our blockbuster pick of the week. Now this film, because there's not a lot out at Blockbuster or any other local video rental stores that you uh, frequent. There's not a lot out this week, really. But there is a movie coming out in a couple days, three days, I believe, before we do our next episode, that I saw in the theater with Carol last year. This was uh, one of our first dates, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, A very funny movie called Son-in-Law, starring Pauly Shore. And uh, I can't remember the... The female lead off the top of my head, she's yeah. brunette. But, I, you know I'm no good with names. But it's basically, this is about, uh, she goes away to college, 
and she meets this guy, Polly Shore's character, who's a big free spirit and everything, and she learns to to kind of give up, or not give up, uh, <laughs> but kind of uh, let go. Yeah. Let go and, and let loose kind of thing. And then she goes back to her hometown uh, on break, Thanksgiving break. And she, she, I'm trying to remember. She brings him with her. Yeah, she brings him with her because she pretends that that's her boyfriend. Because she'd just broken up with her ex-boyfriend before she left. I think she kind of wanted him to. She uses him as an excuse, I believe. And uh, to break up. And so, yeah, so he, it's, it's similar, it's similar-ish in plot, kind of. Kind of. Although he's not her father, obviously. But, um, but yeah, so that's the, 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 you know, bare bones plot of the movie. If you didn't, it was a pretty popular movie last year. Yeah. If you didn't see it in theaters, though, uh, like I said, it's coming out on the 15th uh, of February at Blockbuster uh, in just in a few days. And I would go and check it out. Son-in-Law is definitely a very, very funny comedy. Yeah. I, I think that we should rent it, so wait a few days, guys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Pauly Shore, I think, he's very funny in, in the, the oh, few yeah. movies I've seen him in. And I think, uh, you know, there's a guy that, that might have a strong career going forward For in, sure. in, in movies. Yeah. So, you know, he just has to avoid the trap of, like, the... Chevy Chase trap of doing the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> if he can avoid that trap, I think he'll be very successful. Yeah. But uh, that is our show for today, February 12th, 1994. Uh, as always, tell a friend about <laughs> Massive Late Fee. And uh, you can leave a note for Carol, or you can leave a, a dollar for Carol in Carol's locker. You can leave a note for me in my locker. Anything you want to talk about on the show. Uh, We appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.